Hola, hello, hi, bienvenido, and welcome back or welcome to Mentors Today. Ileana, what's going on? Hey. Hey. Hi, everybody. <laughs> hi, Ralph. How are you? I'm fine. I'm good. I'm surviving the heat here. We're all good. We're super excited. We're just going to jump to it because we've got a really cool guest today coming to us, joining us from Mexico City. So, Ile, why don't you take it from here and tell us a little bit about our guest. So, today we are very excited to be joined by Martin Hayek. Martin is the co-founder of Around. Martin is a tech entrepreneur. He was born and raised in Argentina. He studied economics in Buenos Aires and Berlin and completed a mobile design and development program at Hyper Island in Sweden. Martin had the opportunity of traveling and getting to see firsthand so many countries and live there and to see diverse cultures in such a little period of time. And he says that his most valued experiences include recording in the same Berlin-based studio where David Bowie recorded, so I want to know more about that, and launching his own and one of the first craft beers in Buenos Aires. Prior around, he worked with more than 150 startups and office spaces where he saw the problem of growing up teams from remote spaces. So, Martin, welcome. We're very happy to have you here. And please, can you clarify us why did you record in the David Bowie studio? <laughs> <laughs> hi, hi. How are you doing? Thank you for having me. It's a pleasure to be here. Finally, you know, being here at the podcast. Thanks for the invitation. And, and yeah, I mean, that it's a great story. So this was around 2015. I did a semester exchange in Berlin. And I was living with two friends. And one of them was a um, great guitar player and singer. I played guitar as well. And we would be, you know, go and uh, bask in the streets uh, just to play for ourselves, really. Um, and then one, one day, this guy comes to us. He gave us a beer each and he says, like, you know, I like what you're singing. Uh, I have this studio in Berlin. Uh, why don't you email me and come over? Um, we said, yeah, yeah, whatever. None of us had ever been to a recording studio before. Um, so, well, we, we emailed him and then we learned that that was like one of the most important studios in Berlin where all the artists would go and record when they were on tour in Eastern Europe. Wow. Uh, including David Bowie and some other ones. Uh, so when we ended up recording there, beautiful studio. And yeah, it was a great experience. We recorded two songs that never got published. But, you know, we recorded in that studio. So it was a great, great, great story. Even if you go now to YouTube and you look for it, it's called Hansa Studios. You're not going to see us playing, but you're going to see another band playing and you're going to see the studio. And it's, uh, it's pretty cool. Yeah, I love it. That's it's awesome. awesome. That was my next question was going to be the same, right? Like, where do we find these hidden songs on Spotify? Yeah, I know. Unfortunately, we can't, Rob. Uh, we recorded um, <laughs> one cover and one uh, song from my friend, but uh, we never got the masters. So, you know, we have some videos uh, ourselves, but... Yeah, for the memories in your heart. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> right, that's right, yeah. Awesome. Well, thank you for clarifying that. <laughs> Another thing that I, that I always wanted to, to know, because I think it's something that the three of us share, is that I also saw that you participate in Startup Chile. And that's where it's exactly the place where I met Rob. So in which generation you were? Tell us a little bit about that. Yeah. So I was part of Startup Chile in July 2019 till December 2019. So I think it was the seed program 
2021 or so. I'm not certain, but yeah, that was around that time. And it was a great experience. It was the, um, the nudge that we needed as a team to get fully immersed into building around and solving the problem. Um, and it was also a great time because we got to validate a, our problem quite fast. In October 2019, Chile had a huge political issues during the riots, and the you were in the middle of that. Yeah. yeah, I was in the middle of that, and I was also living three blocks away from La Moneda, Plaza Italia. So that was um, hectic times. So at the end in November, I yeah moved to Mexico. Okay. You're like, let me go back to Mexico City. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So it was great first couple of months, very easy and fast to validate, very supportive community. Okay, that's an awesome story about Chile. I know a little bit about your family history. I know some of your family, not a ton, but I know I know the I know the family person that introduced me to you. And I and I know that he is both a great salesman as much as he is a good entrepreneur. And so I'm curious, like we always like to find out kind of the fam like the history story of you and your family. Like entrepreneurship is a crazy thing to do, right? Like building startups is a crazy thing to do for a living. So tell us a bit more. Like, are you the first person in the family to try to do entrepreneurial things? Is there a history of entrepreneurship in your family in Argentina? Like, tell us a little bit more about your background. Well, I guess uh, my dad, he was also an entrepreneur. When he was my age, maybe a couple of years younger, he started with a um, record store in Argentina. Then he, he also was into the uh, music uh, business. So he, he started a music channel in Argentina as well. This is around the early 90s. It, was, it became something like a big channel, a uh, music channel. A lot of people got formed there. And then they, they ended up in some other, in the business. And, but that was like the kickoff of their careers as well. So yeah, uh, I think that was entrepreneur experience uh, or um, passing from my, my dad's side. And he's been always uh, supporting other entrepreneurs, uh, mentoring as well. He's been also a mentor to us. So yeah, great inspiration. So you were exposed to people who were creative and they took risks. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So for you, it wasn't such a huge leap to be a creative person who bet on yourself and took some risks. Yeah, so... I got had that that experience from from my dad. Also, my mom. She's an architect, and she's been always um, working on her own or with partners, but always like on entrepreneur as well. And uh, so I, I had that exposure, and and also yeah, like a very creative environment growing up. Yeah. Um, my first entrepreneurial experience was in the craft beer. So that's what I was going to ask you. Like when you were, when you were young, did you like, oh, I want to be an entrepreneur or no, you just kind of, you, you weren't sure what you wanted to be, but you were, but you were creative and you're Argentinian, which means you're a good salesman. You can talk your way out of just about anything. <laughs> that's true. Yeah. No, when I was young, um, I, I wanted to be like an inventor, you know, uh -huh. uh, when I, when I was little, um, and I did some experiments. I was, uh, playing a lot with uh, IoT as well, with internet of things, like connecting like offline stuff into the web and playing with those things. Maybe that was a little bit older because when I was young, that didn't exist. But anyways, uh, or at least it was not op open source. I always like to create stuff and I started 
doing uh, blogging and doing like YouTube videos and okay, and that turned into wanted to program and and yeah, that's how I kind of got myself into the into this work. So you're also you're also like super typical millennial because you're basically just totally creative, just totally trying to figure out what you want to be when you <laughs> when you get older. Right. Yeah. 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 So, Martin, tell us a little bit, what is around, what are you building, and why did you decide to go to Mexico City and, and start from there instead of doing it from Buenos Aires? Yeah, sure. So, around is, um, is a tech platform that connects landlords who have a used office space, struggling to get a long-term tenant with companies that are growing, are looking for flexible office space. And the way it works is that we partner with these landlords under a revenue share model. We help them meet our quality standards. And then we list those uh, offices into our marketplace. So companies go online, they can search space and location and book any of our offices under a monthly subscription, very much like Netflix. The reason why we decided to launch in Mexico City is because Mexico City is the largest market for commercial real estate in Latin, but also because my two co-founders and I already had a network here of uh, founders and venture capitalists. And when we started the first few months of operations, we funded ourselves, so money lasted longer here than in other regions that we were thinking of as well. Um, and the decision came down to that. And Buenos Aires... It was about the market size. Like at the end of the day, here in, in Mexico, there's more than 4 million SMBs. Yeah. So just a huge opportunity and you guys already had some relationships. Right. Yeah. So do, do us a favor. Give us kind of like the snapshot one pager data. I mean, you're a private company, so you don't have to share it all, obviously. But like, give us an idea. Like, Insights. Yeah, right. The last time I talked to you, it was like, the first time I talked to you, it was an idea. Second time I talked to you, You had like three spaces and like six clients. So like, uh, give us a little update, right? Yeah, yeah, sure. So in terms of size, today we have around 90 clients that are companies. Uh, among them are startups, VCs, creative agencies, usually between 10 to 50 employees. So a total over 1,000 people working from one of our locations. We have 60 active locations mostly in Mexico City, but we also have some in Guadalajara, Monterrey. So just for my old brain, just to be clear, so I'm I'm going to pretend like I'm a eight-person creative agency <laughs> and I'm like a startup, so I'm watching my budgets in Mexico City or Guadalajara and I'm looking for space and I think like, ah, oh, I don't want to like lease a house and convert it and all that stuff. And then I got to pay the water bills and all these different complications. And then on the other side, I think like, Well, I don't know, maybe we should go to like a WeWork or a something else, something else, something else, right? Like my friends at Colabora or any of the great shared office space places. And I'm like, I don't know, like that one is not close to my house. Like, And so then I go and I find this around app because somebody tells me about it. And when I look there, I'm finding like spaces inside of spaces, right? So some other company that makes whatever has an office and inside of their office, they have a section of their office that they don't utilize that had desks in it and was like all ready to go. And 
or maybe they have a floor in their building that they don't utilize, or they have a back office in the other building that they don't utilize, and they're paying for it and losing money because they're paying rent or mortgage or whatever on it. And so I come along and I can book that. I can move my little eight-person agency into that space inside of what used to be someone else's headquarters. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So that's the model. And, and yeah, we also partner with directly with lenders now. So we started with partnering with leaseholders that haven't used office space in their offices. Okay. And now as we, as we grow, we, we started partnering with landlords who are struggling to get a long-term tenant because that's also a larger market. So from a lender point perspective, they, the only option they got is a market rent and we are providing them an alternative to what they can find in the market. And from the from the demand side, our ideal sweet spot is these companies that have graduated from co-working spaces. So they're usually past eight people. Okay. They want their own space. They want to create their own culture, their own rules. Uh, and the only option they got is uh, a standard lease. Okay. All right. So here, here's, here's Martin. Here's what I want to know. How do we compete with WeWork or Colabora? Or any, and part of it is you're saying it's because they typically have graduated out of that. Right. Yeah. So WeWork would say, well, yeah, but we could have 20 person teams in our place too. And your argument would be, but with WeWork specifically, there's more overlap uh, in size of teams. When we look at other co-working spaces, they usually don't serve that, that size of teams. So the difference would be after we've seen after 10 people, companies, they want to have, they want to create their own culture, have their own dedicated space for themselves, like really like a second house. And the difference between an around space and a WeWork is very much like getting an Airbnb versus a hotel room. And there's a market for both, but there was always going to be a preference towards uh, getting like an apartment or to, towards getting a hotel room. And here is very similar to that. There's also location. When it comes to real estate, location is critical. Our model is properties that is more, much more fragmented and distributed across the city, as opposed to a WeWork that depends on a AAA building. So we're able to have literally an around space around every corner in the city. Oh, I feel like that. I feel like that's a, t- a marketing tagline right there. Yeah. Oh, I, I got that. I'm not that slow around every corner. Boom. <laughs> there you go. There you go, Rob. But jo- not, not, not joking. Uh, Location is critical for our clients. See, so greater location flexibility, more proximity. Like we're literally able to not to be punished, but like we're able to build this in your neighborhood. Like we're able to build around the corner from where you already are. We don't make you uh-huh. commute to the center of the city where it's the high rise offices. And yeah, that's cool, but that's not necessary. Right. So that that's huge for our clients. Besides the fact that they get their own space uh, where they can put their own rules, their own culture, independent access, and so on. And then it's also the flexibility. As your team gets bigger, WeWork tends to offer you uh, more fixed terms, which is natural. We try to keep it also the option for you to go monthly. I will look for my around space <laughs> here in Guadalajara. And Martin, I want to know more about your founder experience. I want to know how has it been to build a company from an idea from scratch for you? And what are the challenges that you had faced in these years building around? Yeah, so from a personal point of view, it's always way harder than I thought when I started. (laughs) (laughs) But it's also very rewarding at the same time. So my previous 
company was an agency and we worked with uh, startup accelerators and startups. And we hit a point where we call it walk the talk. So we're learning a lot, teaching a lot. And we thought, what would happen if we apply all these learnings into solving one problem and creating our own startup around it? And we hit that point and we wanted to create a larger impact in the ecosystem. And that's where we found the, the problem to help teams grow, starting by offering them office space. And that's when we, we I'm saying me, myself and my two co-founders, because we were also co-founders on the agency, when we decided to build around. And it, and it was this moment of walk the talk. At the beginning, it was tough. We knew the problem, but we didn't have any real estate background. We didn't have any, any money to go and lease and sublease, uh, not even to do any renovations or stuff. So we had to get creative and how to test this. And that's where we found out the model of, hey, why don't we use unused office space in current offices and fit them with the other companies? And that's how we got going. And then we started before the pandemic. So I was thinking about that, that if I didn't miss the time, you were almost launching when the pandemic hits, no? So Yeah, yeah. So we had to launch three times and keep launching and launching. And that's also something that we learned from our BNB experience early days where they kept launching and launching until they were known by uh, people because at the end of the day you launch, but nobody knows you. So you can launch again and launch and launch and use like that excuse to get some press coverage and generate demand and supply. So we did the same. We launched in Chile first, then we had to launch in Mexico because of what we just talked. And then we had COVID, so we had to launch again uh, a couple of months later. And, and we kept building and launching. And then finally, in around February 2021, is that since then we've been seeing uh, constant growth. And yeah, it's been way more complicated than I th complex than I thought early on, but very rewarding. And for me, the highest highs when I realized that It was not just my, me and my two co-founders that we loved this, but we had a team that I was actually loving around. And it, that was like, wow. And you're all swagged out with around stuff on, on yes. social media. All the time. <laughs> so everybody loves around in Mexico City, apparently. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So we, we put that together and that was also something unique. You know, at the end of the day, I think that's something that, that makes us unique is that we made things our way, which is not always the best way. But, you know, we keep our essence. Yeah. And I think you were in like in a, even though you were facing the challenge of the pandemic where people had to stay at home, it could be like bad timing. But then you were ready in a very good time because yeah. people wanted to go out and needed a, an office. So you will building this. Ahead of Meanwhile, time. everybody, uh -huh, everybody were like desperate uh, to have their first opportunity to go out and like book an yeah. office. So it is a really nice coincidence. Yeah, exactly. And, and I think also we, we already saw this trend of companies being decentralized mm -hmm. from the city center and more flexible. Uh, business cycles being much more faster than real estate cycles. Mm -hmm. And that's something that we saw early on. And the pandemic, what did was accelerate these trends. Of course, 
the first months it was tough, but we still were young and we're a small team, so we could go through it much, much better than some other teams that were in this vertical. But after the hardest months, then they'd say like everyone was open to, to try something new and also in a way educated landlords that they had to think in a new way because, you know, even though companies are coming back and, and looking for office space, the demand preferences have changed and they will not go back to normal. So yeah. they have to adapt, but we're trying to help there. Talk to us because you're talking about what you saw, right? What you guys foresaw coming. And a bit of that is like we always say in American English, better to be lucky than good, right? So sometimes it's just good to have good timing and be a little bit good, right? So so talk to me now. Help me understand what's coming. Like, look, at, let's look out. Look out like five years, 10 years, right? Um, like what is this market for office space, office usage? I mean, now you're, I don't want to make you like future of work, remote work expert guy, right? But that's kind of what you're bleeding into, right? Is it all becomes the same topic now? So like, tell me what trends that you're seeing based on your real world experiences that we should all expect to see macro everywhere in the world, just Latin America, like however you want to present it. Yeah, um, this is my opinion and this is what I, what I think it's going to happen. I think that we are, as humans, we, we are social species. So I don't see the future of work being like everyone remote and isolated. Totally agree. <laughs> but I see the future of work in teams. Now, if we think five years ahead, that doesn't mean that we all work for the same company, but we are like a squad. And as a squad, we share space. And that's what I see happening. I see like multiple hubs across the world of people coming together to build something for different companies. Yeah, interesting. But building together. And that's how I see. Interesting. And in that sense, then again, around is really well set up to, to appeal to that. Yeah. Our goal is to help companies grow by giving them or facilitating them this physical space to build. But our vision goes beyond the space. For us, the space is more like an excuse to establish these long-term yeah. relationships with the companies that are going to be driving the economy in the future. Yeah. And at the end of the day, what we want to offer is like a whole suite of products that help these companies work from anywhere. I'm curious on the, on the company side, right? Because again, you guys get to talk to so many companies. I'm curious, this is what I think happens, right? Is I think we see fewer concentrated like global headquarters where a thousand people work, right? And we see more companies who say, okay, yeah, we have, a, we have a small office presence in the executive city where our founders or some of our executives live and work. But then we have hubs of, you know, there might be a bunch of the marketing people work together in, in San Antonio. And then there might be a bunch of the accounting people happen to live and work in, in Mexico City. And the, like I see little, so squad, I get it. That's a bold vision. I think on the company side, I see more like little distributed teams yeah. And then and then maybe we get together, you know, twice a year or three times a year to like all connect or something. Is that what you're hearing from your clients or from companies? I think that 
We have a large fraction of our clients that are international companies. So they are launching Mexico and they're assembling a local team. And they have already that use case where they have, you know, the founders or executive team is in, in Medellin or in Buenos Aires or in Santiago or in San Pablo. And they also have like a local team in Mexico City. And we're seeing that already with these kind of clients. I think we're still early to say that that kind of distribution of like, hey, we got like this team in this city, this other team in this other city. But I think that's what's going to happen in, in the coming months. I see that happening relatively soon in at a company level. And it makes sense. Yeah. Okay. Ilya, you said in the opening, you wanted to hear about two things. You wanted to hear why he was such a cool hipster and he, re- <laughs> and, and he recorded he recorded at David Bowie's studio. And then you also wanted to know- The beer. Right. You also wanted to know something else. <laughs> I want to know that uh, you're also a co-founder of a brewing company, no? How do you manage to be in both business? Well, now I'm not, I'm not operating on the brewery side. Uh, okay. I'm just like, I'm still like stakeholder, but yeah, no, I wouldn't have time for anything else really. But yeah, how we started was in 2012, I think it was. I got inspired because I was watching Breaking Bad and there's... <laughs> of course, of course. And, the, and, yeah. and you thought, do I want to be a heroin dealer or do I want to be a brewer? Maybe a brewer will be a better idea. <laughs> right, yeah. It was a hard decision, but yeah. But I think <laughs> I think I'm in the right one. No, but there was this scene where um Hank, which is the brother in law, uh DA agent, were he's uh middle of night and uh he's uh has craft beer bottles on the garage and they explode and he thinks that somebody broke into the house. So he puts up the gun and nothing happens. Yeah. You know? But it's this small scene, two seconds, and that was for me the trigger to say like, ah, I can make a beer at home. So I, I went into a blog and looked for a recipe and I did it. Uh, it was awful, but drinkable, nobody died. <laughs> and then I, and I liked it. So I started brewing more often. And then there was at the same time, the first, crowdfunding platform landing in Argentina. So I posted my project. It was, uh, I wanted to buy an equipment because you need big pots, like four liter pots or something. So nobody has that at home if you want to do it properly or if you want to get like a clear beer. So I wanted to buy those. So I put up my project and I got the money, bought that. And that's how I got started. And then two cousins joined me as well. And when they joined, we started doing it weekly. And then we had a lot of beer that we were not drinking. So we started selling it. And that's where the... Uh, we started selling beer because we were making more than we could drink. Right. On a weekly yeah. basis. And this was 20... <laughs> yeah, this was like 10 years ago. So there was only like two bars in Buenos Aires that were selling craft beer. It was a very small scene. And that's how we got started. And then the scene started growing and... Um, like in many parts of the world. So so it still exists. You're just not involved operationally anymore. Still exists. They recent we recently pivoted into gin, gin and tonic. So we're doing yeah, we're doing gin and tonic okay. in Cannes. Watch out. Which is okay. pretty good. Um, which I think it's uh, I the next it. craft beer. Big markets, yeah. 
gin and tonic and tonic water. But gin, gin and tonic water. And canned beverages. All my CPG friends tell me that's the future. Yeah, yeah, totally. You've been on, you've had a hell of a life for a young guy. Right? <laughs> you've lived a, li- a life well lived. All right, so I have I have one last around kind of business related question um, before we move into the rest of the show. So you guys have raised capital in spite of all the headlines, right? And how cool and easy, cheap, cheap money was available flying around everywhere, right? <laughs> okay. Like the truth is it's still really hard to raise capital, right? And, and, it's, and it's even harder to raise capital in Latin America. So tell us about those experiences. Tell us, maybe I'm wrong. Maybe it was super easy, right? But tell us like what the experience of raising capital for a round was like. Um, and then if you can, or if you want to, are, are you guys going to be raising in the future? You know, you can talk about that if you want to. Because yeah. you never know who's you never know who's listening to this show. There's a lot of VC, a lot of VCs that are listening to this show. So, <laughs> oh sure. So no, I guess at least uh, my story raising capital is has never been easy for us because again we're doing something that it's unique. It could be seen as something good or bad at the same time. There's no such a proxy of um, unicorn company doing something doing our model in the US, and that has been both good and bad. We're also in a situation where we still don't know how the future of work is going to look like. But now that we have traction that helps us for our vision as well. But I guess in our, yeah, in our case, it was never, it was never easy. There's some good practices that they really work. And besides the, the money, for me, it's much more about the relationships that you can build. And something that I learned through the process is that a no is not a no forever. It's just like, it's not going to happen now, but yeah. it might well happen in the future. And for us, it did happen. So we started relationships that a year later, they are investors. On- okay. So you, so some of your no's eventually turned into some of your investors. Right. So they were, basically they were like, yeah, we don't want to invest in you in the first launch. And we're not really sure about investing in you in the second launch. But the third time you launch, we're totally excited about that. Yeah, no, and, and and at the end of the day, it's something that it gives us, give us a lot of. Um, it's like a reality check. You talk to so many people, and you put your all your work, your idea, your product, your vision out there, and then you get the feedback, constant feedback, and then that's super valuable because you get to talk to people that are experienced, that have done it before. I've been through so every conversation is is an opportunity to learn something and besides the outcome the desired outcome that you want to commit right so i think raising capital is it's much more than actual money but of course there's no future without money <laughs> so yeah no it's the fuel in the tank to, to make the truck go right so so you this was your seed round we did, yeah, we did a seed round that we announced in June. Of this year. And was it raised? Because I, I remember the announcement, but I can't remember it off the top of my head. Was it Mexican investors, South American investors, American investors? What was the mix? A little bit of everything. So we had uh, the fund that led the round is from SF. It's a cross-border fund. They're based in SF, but they also have LPs in, in Mexico and very good relationships in Mexico. And we also have participation from some other funds from the U.S. 
I'm from Natam. Awesome. I'm a really, really cool list of uh, PropTech founders that also joined us as, as investors, and some of them are also advisors. Awesome. That's terrific. Yeah, thanks. Congratulations. So now we are hitting the last part of the show where you get to be the mentor of the day. So now I will ask you to give us three pieces of advice. Remember that our audience are mainly early stage founders. Well, some of them are investors, but they are in the entrepreneurship economy. So what would you give them as a advice for funding a company? Great. So three pieces of advice for starting a company. I think the first one is the team. Of course, if you're co-founders, but also the first hires. And that's super critical because you get it right, you save a lot of time. And so I think my first piece of advice would be be very smart of who do you want to build this with, but also uh, be very passionate about it. It's not just about like the track record, but the passion. On the hard days, you need the passion. And probably over the whole life of the company, there are going to be more storms than sunny days, but those sunny days are going to be very, very sunny. Um, so that would be my first advice. Second one would be about experimentation. I think it's also very important to early on, the most important thing you need to be doing is learning. And the fastest you can learn, the better, and that's your currency. But my advice would be to not confuse like the day-to-day -day operations with an experiment. Uh, and that's something that happened to us. This is an experiment. We're learning from this and we can kill it anytime. And the last one, I think it's a, just talk to people, uh, put, put it out there, you know. I've heard uh, many times, ah, I'm not going to talk talk about it because you, you're going to see my idea. And at the end of the idea, uh, that's, yeah, that's the classic you know? one. <laughs> like, that's the classic yeah. one, right? Yeah. So I think I believe ideas don't mean nothing. It's just like what the value is in how Literally. you make them real and how do you execute <laughs> them. So my advice would be the more you talk to it, the more you, the more you engage people, the better, because at the end of the day, building a company is a social thing. It might start with uh, somebody's idea, but to build it and make it successful is a social thing. It's a team effort. So the more you put it out there, I think the higher the chances of getting it right. That's awesome. awesome. That's awesome. So as you so, see, so as so as young founders are building their social teams by putting the conversations out there, they can know that they can count on around to have an office around yeah. wherever around every corner where they are. Indeed. So that they can help build that. That's awesome, dude. It was a pleasure to see you. Thank you for welcoming us into a small slice of the kitchen. <laughs> at, at, <laughs> at, at around at around's current rotating headquarters. Yeah. Um, it was awesome to see you. It's always great to connect LA to Mexico City to Guadalajara and back. We're always in your corner. You know I love you. You're like an adopted family member uh, because of Jorge calling me one day and saying like, "Hey, 
Would you meet with him? Like, I think he's got a crazy idea that honestly, I think is a terrible idea, but I think, but I think you'll support him and I think you'll see what he's talking about. And I was like, dude, it's a really good idea. Like, and he's a really bright kid. Like, he's going to do something with this. So I'm going to play that section of the podcast for him for the rest of his life. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, no, no, I know. Super, super, super proud of you. Uh, keep going. Keep building. Thanks for spending some time with us. How do we yeah. find you? Yeah. How do we find you and how do we find around on social media? Yeah. First, I thank you, Rob. Uh, yeah. Thanks for all the support this far. Uh, pleasure being here. And to find me, you can find me on my email is martin at around.to, which is also our website. So around.to, that's where you can find information about the company, available locations, and so on. And you can email me directly or Instagram because I don't tweet enough. You know he's not on Twitter when he gives out his email address is the first way you can find him. <laughs> it's the most efficient way because uh, otherwise conversations get lost, but emails, I track emails. So, Like you said, like you said about the company building, do it your way, right? right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Matters. Do, it, yeah. do it your way. Whatever works for you, works for you. So Also LinkedIn. Yeah. LinkedIn, I'm quite active there. So exactly. if you text me in LinkedIn, I'll reply. Super. Thank you so much. Thank you so much again, buddy. Thank you so much. Gracias. No, thank you. Thank you, Rob. And it's been, it's been great here. This is just the beginning. Thanks for having me. As always, we thank you so much for listening. Today's show was recorded in Los Angeles and Guadalajara, produced by Deanna Bernal in Mexico City, and promoted by the content team at Growth Hacks in Tijuana, Mexico. You can always find and share our show via any popular podcasting platform, as well as find us on social media at Mentors Today on Instagram. If you'd like to connect with our hosts, you can find them on Twitter or Instagram at I am Rob Ryan or at Ileana J-A-F. Gracias, thank you, and we'll see you next time.